Hello, good morning. So I had to do a reverse, uh, reverse of my normal path today. So it was all uphill. Because <clears throat> I dropped my daughter off at school, I. Normally, uh, just carry on the rest of the way, but it's it's a lot shorter. It's less than an hour, so I've gone backwards. I've gone towards the uh, place where I tend to record the most. I typically spend like an hour there or something. But anyway, as I'm walking down, see, as I. I don't normally walk down this particular hill I normally walk up it and there's a sign that can only be seen if you walk this way it says your neighbours are watching and it's got a green background white writing and it's got somebody catching dog shit <laughs> literally somebody with a dustpan and brush behind a dog catching the shit and it says your neighbours are watching This is the kind of messaging that government organisations, service organisations think is appropriate to force behavioural change. That's all it is. They put it in. They put it with a green background because it's neutral. White text, neutral. Picture of someone picking up a dog shit, so you know what they're talking about. And just a hint: your neighbours are watching. What does that mean? The neighbours are watching. The neighbours are watching my dog take shits on the street. It's a lot of questions, isn't it? It's a lot of... Are they going to grasp me in? Are they going to report me? Because then on the other side... The, the, play, the side that I normally see when I'm walking up, it's got... Report somebody for dog fouling. £80, fine. Same green, white, green background, white writing. And this is, this is, this is like typical passive aggressive techniques to get you to change your behavior so that the council do not have to do anything because the council get paid to keep the streets clean. Because they're a service organisation, that's why you pay tax, that's why you pay council tax, because that is supposed to pay for the public services. But because councils are either spending the money on other things, or they don't have the money because your money goes somewhere else. So they just they create these signs to just change your behaviour rather than rather than have to spend money cleaning up the streets that's all they do I um, I saw a sign two months ago uh, not two months ago, two years ago during all the madness and the council would put up these signs in a few places and it was like don't be a tosser and I was like this is 
the places where I saw these signs were routes that kids take to walk to school and I was like that's that's so inappropriate they don't really know they don't know what they're doing so if they knew if they knew that kids were walking around there and kids were hanging out there maybe they might think think differently about it but they didn't really seem to acknowledge that as being a potential problem so I mean I just, all I said to them was I think the language is inappropriate I said the actual problem is the bins are not being emptied in the places where you've put these signs so it's not a problem with people's behaviour the bins are just overflowing constantly so it was the council's fault it was the service organisation's fault because they weren't actually checking that the bins were being emptied they were paying a company to come and empty the stuff but the company weren't obviously turning up so they're just they're just doing a job they're pushing pushing paper all it is is signing contracts yeah you come and do this and that's it you expect the you expect the company to come and do it and then when there's a problem obviously it can't be can't be the company you've paid to do it because you paid them to do it so it must be the people it must be the behavior of everyone else so you have to now alter the behavior of those people ultimately they're manipulating people into doing things and they're threatening to punish people because of it all these all these councils all they are are service organisations you give them money they, they sign contracts with other companies to fulfil those public services and in some cases they don't do the services that you think like waste management it's an absolute mess it's all outsourced everything's been privatised which means profit so companies will companies will be picked either based on uh, knowing someone in the council mates, mates rates kind of thing Or they'll just lowball. They'll give the lowest offer and they'll provide the lowest quality of service because they don't have to provide a measured level. The council really don't give a shit. All they need to do is sign a contract. That's it. And they tell everyone that they've signed the contract and they tell everyone that... They tell the public that sign a contract, this company's doing waste management. Even though people can search on the internet and find out, well, that company who's absolutely screwed up waste management in all these other counties and all these other areas why did you go with them it's just mates rates it's corruption is what it boils down to it is corrupt practice and I've seen this I've seen this predominantly in the finance sector banking people in banking oh my they're the most corrupt people I've ever worked with
And it's not to say that they're cheating people out of money. Well, in a sense they are, but it's not direct, right? They'll just get all their mates in on a particular project. Or they'll give somebody a job because they are mates, not because they're the most suited for the job. It's corrupt, it's corrupt practice. It's a misuse of your power, your position. Even though it doesn't really make a difference at the end of the day, all it's doing is serving your needs. It's not serving the needs of the people that are looking up to you. Sadly, there are people that look up to these people and aspire to be in their position. But I learned very, very early on in my career, short-lived career, I wasn't really a career person. I more enjoyed the challenge and doing a full-time job, it couldn't really, couldn't really provide the, the level of challenge that I needed. So I ended up going uh, like freelance contracting, basically helping out companies that needed drastic change like transformation like moving all of the systems from one data center to another like rebuilding things from scratch that kind of thing that's that's the challenge but I couldn't do I couldn't find that in full time it was inconsistent it'd be like oh here's a project for three months and then then it's done and then it's like what do I do now? You're just kind of sitting around twiddling your thumbs. And people enjoy doing that. People enjoy just sitting around twiddling their thumbs, getting paid for it. But it's so low frequency. It's like every day's a Tuesday. Because Tuesday's Mardi, right? Marsdi, Mardi, Mars, red, low frequency. So also, it might be a good story for me to talk about my career, how how I went from <laughs> how I went from school to uh, full time employment to self employment to no <laughs> no form of employment. It'd be quite an interesting story, but. It would just be like reciting something at the minute. I only brought it up because in a, in a way it related to the sign I saw, your neighbors are watching. That's kind of like what my, it's kind of like what people make you think in, in your job, in your day-to-day job. You need to do this because your boss is watching. <laughs> You know, like somebody's watching what you do on your computer, somebody's watching your search history, someone's watching what you're watching on YouTube, all that stuff. It's all fear, it's all um, low frequency, it's all to change your behavior, it's all to keep your behavior within a certain band. And it's typically within fear. 
but the people that operate above that the corrupt people I guess yeah they're still they're still low frequency really because they really don't they don't care if they get caught they'll move on they're, they're like narcissists they, they, they literally will not care it will, be, it will not be their fault they'll find a scapegoat it's like when when a new CEO comes on board the rest of the management staff all start to panic they all start to suck up to the new CEO because typically what a CEO does what their job is is to come in and shake the boat to maximise shareholder profit that's it you don't get a new CEO in to come in and do the same thing the last CEO did what's the what's the point So 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 you've got the sign right I need to start walking I think it's I think it's when I stop walking I kind of get out of my flow a little bit It's fucking I brought an umbrella today Because I said it was going to rain around 10 o'clock It's about Quarter past nine and the sun, I can see the sun's right in front of me behind the clouds again. But I can feel it's trying to... There's a bit of heat coming through, so... Maybe it won't rain. But then that means I'm stuck carrying this umbrella and an empty coffee cup. Because there's no bins. <laughs> anyway. Not really a problem. Just an inconvenience. It was my choice. So the way that these organisations work is profit-based. If they can get away without spending money just by changing your behaviour, they'll do it. They'll do it. Because morals don't come into it. Because the people that work in these organisations have worked in these organisations probably all of their life so they would have gone through university and then gone straight into one of these organisations service organisations a council pushing paper they won't really be aware of what happens in the town because if they were they wouldn't simply be pushing paper they'd actually be going out and changing things from my perspective I walk around most of the town every day so I see things that don't look like they've been addressed for years so the council the organisation obviously don't care about everything (laughs) only the main talking points Waste management, fire and police, maybe. 
the roads and pathways they tend <laughs> they uh, they say that's somebody else's problem they say that's another organisation another government organisation the county are responsible for the roads in the council city it's the council's town how oh, does that make sense it is how to prostitute at your town for a profit and basically all everyone is doing in paying tax giving tax to a central organisation i.e. the the head office the headquarters because all these councils all these serverless organisations are just satellite companies they are part of a group of companies and the headquarters the group the central government they collect all the money and then they distribute it so you give your money thinking it's going to a particular region where you live it isn't it goes into a big pot and then somebody decides where it goes to theoretically there is nothing in black and white that says that is actually what happens there is no accounting process you get a bill or an invoice from your council with a breakdown of what they say you owe fire, police in some cases some, some money is supposed to go to a church or a diocese or something like that and then council services but that's obviously not true because how a council is constantly struggling for money they're constantly ignoring issues to save money they're creating signs to change behaviour rather than deal with, pro deal with the problem I walk up and down that path where those signs are I've never seen dog shit never I've never seen dog shit on any of the paths because there aren't that many dogs I don't typically see many dogs around there people tend to take them where I am now which is a walking path or they go over on the fields so it's like there may have been a couple of reports of dog shit and maybe this person knew the councillor or got in touch with one of the councillors and befriended them became a mate and then they agreed to put up a sign even though there's no problem so these service organisations they are useless in my experience they are useless everybody would be better self-organising which is apparently how it used to be, right? 
there was no there was no greater Manchester police as such there was no company so awkward I think a little cop wouldn't cause so much so much trouble um, yeah they, they they never used to be limited companies but now they are limited companies or the trusts like a health trust which just means they're not they're supposed to be not for profit they're supposed to balance the books all the money that they get is supposed to be spent doesn't say exactly what it has to be spent on it could be transferred to other other companies that that could be considered money laundering right if you've got money that's coming into that's supposed to be spent on health goes into trust or it gets divided up and sent to a trust and then that trust sends that money to an organisation not associated with health why? why are they doing that? if it's an expense if it's a legitimate expense that can be tracked like a supplier of computer equipment a supplier of medic medical equipment But even then, there has to be accountability. Why that particular company? Because the trust, right? It's not supposed to be benefiting... Benefiting other companies. So... If somebody is getting a contract to supply computer equipment because they are mates with somebody at the top of the trust there's no longer any trust because that's corruption so you can't say that the the intention of the trust is to provide those services because they're willing to engage in corrupt practice in order to benefit somebody else that isn't the customer and the customer is the people that go in with health problems the people that are supposed to have paid into this system but that is all an illusion I think it's like your council tax. It's all an illusion. It all goes into a single into a single part and is distributed as somebody else sees fit. So all that's really happening is money has been circulated. Money is flowing in a certain direction. The current has been sent in a certain direction, and it's not always where you think it's going to be it's typically where somebody else tells it to tells it to go 
So, I mean, councils have got a crisis at the minute now, right? The central, the group of companies is, you know, saying there's an energy crisis. Oh, no, no, but that's okay. The the, uh, group of companies can say, all right, yeah, yeah, we're going to give people money back. Like what? You're gonna get? You're gonna give people what? Six hundred, eight hundred quid towards energy? Why can't you just deduct it from the tax bill? So everyone pays six to eight hundred pounds less. It's because the money has been diverted from something else. The current is flowing. It may, it may just be bullshit. Because it's just like a profit share, isn't it? The energy companies are going to be making money. Because they... They can inflate... They can inflate the price of energy. They just say, oh yeah, the crisis, the crisis. We can no longer get this... We can no longer get this energy from this certain country. So, yeah, it's a crisis. It's all bullshit. They can make up literally anything. But because it's in black and white, people will read it and they'll be like, oh, they'll believe it because of the polarity, because the red and the blue is confusing. The black and the white is the same. It's polarity. It's confusing. There's no in-between. And in that, what you'll find is contradictions. Because it's all black and white, there is no in-between. There's only extremes. And that's how you can tell a deception, right? So this is the contradiction that I was talking about yesterday. I was talking about contradictions. I think it was when I was talking about checkmate, when I was talking about the checkerboard, the black and white checkerboard. I was talking about contradictions in information pertaining specifically to space, what they refer to as space and universe. They don't tell you what a universe is, it's just an endless expanse of space. But what is space? Apparently it's an empty vacuum. There's nothing. But how is light travelling through it? How are you observing something through a, a telescope in space that's apparently in space? When that thing has not been observed... But they say that it's like millions of millions of years away. Millions of light years away. It's such an extravagant the numbers are so extraordinary that it could not possibly be a lie. Right? If somebody goes to such grandiose levels 
Oh, it's this many miles away. It's this many millions of years away. Or millions of miles away. It's this many times bigger than the Earth. How many people have seen the, the actual size of the Earth? And I mean relative to you. So you would have to be out in this expanse. In this vacuum of nothingness. You would have to be out there in order to observe the size of the earth. But you would only be able to observe one side or one face, one dimension. So you can look at a picture, you can look at a computer rendered image. That's not the same as observing it relative to you. You're stood on the earth. Or you're stood on the ground. Both are the same thing. And what you see is relative to you. So somebody else could stand in the same place and have a slightly different perspective because they're going to be taller, shorter, wider, narrower. There's going to be variations. So they're going to see a slightly different picture, slightly different observation because it's all relative to you. It's relative to the, to the observer. You can't say it's relative to the earth or relative to the ground because you are not the earth, you're not the ground. You cannot perceive something from the perspective of the earth or the ground. You are not that. You could try and lie down on the floor and say, oh, this is the perspective of the ground. All you would see is one dimension straight up, but it wouldn't even be up for you because the ground is fixed. The concrete is not going to move unless it's moved by something, by force, by something acting upon it. So when people are arguing like the shape of the earth, it's a pointless, it's a pointless circular argument. Ironically circular, right? Because none of the people involved in the argument have a perspective that would tell them the shape of the earth. None of them. Because they would need to go out into this expanse that apparently the earth sits in, moves in, this expansive vacuum of nothingness. You would have to go there in order to get perspective of shape. You can't do it from your perspective, from your observation here, because you're on the earth. Because from where I'm looking, from my observation here, I'm at the top of a hill. From the observation of somebody down at the bottom of the hill, it's gonna be different. They're gonna be looking up the hill, I'm gonna be looking down the hill. So my perspective of the shape 
is what I can see. I cannot see the earth. I can only see my perspective of the earth, which is limited. It's limited by the visible spectrum, visible light spectrum. It's limited by what I can physically see in front of me, which is light. So these pointless arguments on the shape of the earth, unless you can go up into that vacuum of nothingness and get a vantage point that lets you see the whole of it, there's nothing to argue about. Because from, you could argue every type of shape that you want. I could say it's square. The shape of it is square because I'm looking around and all I see is flat. I'm at the top of a hill and there's a valley around the outside and it's just all flat. I could say, yeah, it's just a big square. From my perspective, that's what it looks like. And somebody would want to come and argue, argue that with me and say, no, you're wrong. Look at these pictures from NASA. Well, those pictures are all computer animated or computer generated images. And they say it has to be computer generated. So it's not from the perspective of a person, it's from the perspective of a person operating a computer. Now with a computer you can create any type of image you want. So why would I believe that as being plausible to counter my argument? It's not even an argument, it's a perspective. Because some people say, oh, the earth is flat. Well, I'm looking at a hill, it's not flat. People miss the context. So when people say it's flat, you got people right over the, at the other end that are like, nah, mainstream science, whatever mainstream science says. And because mainstream science will say, oh yeah, huh, people think the earth is flat, huh, they think it's a pancake. That's one perspective. Some people have said it's a pancake. Some people have said it's a dinner plate. But they focus on that. They don't focus on actual thought perspective, observation, which is what science is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about observation. But a lot of the mainstream popular scientists don't really give a shit about observation. They just look at the information and the data they're given. They go on TV, they create videos and they talk about the information and the data that they're handed. It's not about their observations. Even if it is like Oh yeah, these people in this lo in this uh, telescope down in South America saw this and that, or in Hawaii they saw this and that. They didn't physically see it themselves. They saw a computer-generated image of data that was captured on a telescope by somebody else. So they didn't really form any of their own opinions or perspective on it they took somebody else's word somebody else's perspective and opinion and projected it as theirs 
they didn't actually do any observation. So all these scientists that you see on TV, they're only really there for one purpose. They're good actors. They're good at talking. They're good at relaying information. They're not good at observation. Because if they were good at observation, they'd be questioning all the stuff that they're given. But you don't see any questions. All you see them doing is countering anything that goes against the popular opinion. Which is not science. That is not knowledge. That's not observation. That is journalism. And that's the that's the antithesis, isn't it? Science, which is knowledge, and journalism, which is the relaying of information. Reporting is is not about observing. It may be given the appearance of observation, but it's not. Do you really think all these journalists are walking around out there looking for the next hot story? No, all they're doing is sitting on a computer, looking at the stories coming on the coming in on the newswire, on the feed, on the wire, the PA newswire, the Reuters, Reuters newswire. And then they'll pick up a story, or they'll be given a story and say, Alright, yeah, follow up on this, get some pictures, get some media, maybe call up a few people and see what you can make, see what you can create from this. So it's not about discovering, it's not about observation. It's about taking information that's been compiled by somebody else and seeing what story you can make from it. That's it. That's what popular scientists are. They're no better than journalists. They pick up information that somebody else has compiled and they run with it. They do no observation themselves. Now there are some people on YouTube that would consider popular scientists in that they ascribe to a popular opinion in science. And they do do some of their own observations, experiments. But the experiments that they do are not entirely their own they're just recreating somebody else's experiment. So that, that, that's no better. That's no better than just relaying a story. You're following someone else's pros- process and method. There's no discovery anymore. Or discovery is being suppressed. And this kind of took a... <laughs> This took a 90 degree turn. I don't really think I'd be speaking about popular science. But I wonder why why has the sun disappeared? Now I could see I could see the sun as I was walking up here before, right? It's kind of hazy. There was like a
It was like that haze over it that I was talking about before. On some mornings when I'd come out and it'd feel cold when the sun was covered in this haze and then when the haze broke, the sun would feel warm. So it was like something was blocking the... Uh, or something was reflecting the UV and the light. The visible light. Something was blocking that. But now the sun is completely gone. It looks like it's... It looks like it's... Uh, after sunset or something. It's quite grey and dark. So why is that? The sun being a massive giant source of high frequency and low frequency energy, how is it possible a couple of clouds of water could completely block it out? See, I know, I know if you asked that question, they would have an answer and they'd probably be like, you don't know? You honestly don't know how to answer that? But I'm thinking, I'm going back to, I'm going back to basics, right? You do an observation. I could see the sun before with the, uh, the light haze over it. And now the sun is completely gone. I couldn't even pinpoint where it is in the sky because the level of light is pretty consistent all around so I prefer to start from the beginning at what I'm looking at rather than jump into a conclusion or jump into a process or a method that's already been defined unless of course they can come out and show me and say well I'm looking at you know, they're looking at the cloud and they can tell you the exact composition of it. And they can tell you exactly why you can no longer pinpoint where the, where the sun is. And that why it's gone colder. So what's blocking the UV, what's blocking the light from getting through? Does rain, uh, sorry, does water do that? Does water block light or does it reflect light? No, that's <laughs> fucking stupid. Does water reflect light? Or does light pass through water? Well, jump into a swimming pool, an outdoor pool. Can you still see the sun? Yes. Okay, so light passes through water. Can you still feel the heat? of the sun in water yes even if you're completely covered in water you can still feel the heat from the sun so the UV can pass through the sun the UV fucking hell the UV can pass through the water so these are just rain clouds 
what is it in the rain clouds that's reflecting the UV and the light, the visible light? That's 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 my process. That's asking questions. I'm looking at something and I'm trying to observe and understand the process of why something is like that because I could see the sun before slightly hazy but I could feel the heat and now I can no longer see any light from the sun and I cannot feel any heat from the sun and all I can see are what look like I'm guessing rain clouds because that's what I was told that it was going to rain but to be honest they just look like a big mesh of white and grey they don't really look like your traditional puffy rain clouds so now we're getting into conspiracy land well nah not really popular scientists will probably say that because they've been asking too many questions but I'm just observing I'm doing what they should be doing if they, if they are proper scientists they should be observing they should be asking questions they shouldn't just be providing the popular answer if you describe something to somebody who is a scientist something that you observed they'll try and tell you what you observed without actually seeing it so you may have no pictures you may have no video you just describe what you saw and they'll tell you what you saw even though they've not fucking observed it it's bonkers you could suggest if you've had a similar experience what it could be but unless you observe it for yourself you cannot say with definite You cannot say for definite. Of course you can have an opinion. But are you a scientist that is based on observation and knowledge? Or are you a scientist based on opinion? It seems like most popular scientists are just opinionated. And you could say I'm being rather opinionated now. Well yeah, it is. In my opinion, that's what popular science is. reporting somebody else's information and facts or sorry information and data is fact as complete as complete knowledge even though they've never observed it they could never have observed it otherwise they would use their own data they would compile their own information and data but it's always third hand it's always second hand so I prefer to deal with things firsthand. I want to see it. If I'm talking about something that I can't observe, it's an opinion. So a lot, a lot of the stuff I've been talking about with energy and visible light. That is all based on somebody else. Somebody else's 
data that's been compiled the chakras somebody else came up with that I didn't produce it I didn't create the concept of these energy centers within the body and the colors associated with those energy centers and the planets associated with those energy centers I saw the connections between their information their data and the visible light spectrum and all the other things that connect into that the solar cycle the zodiacal cycle but I'm not claiming that to be the be all end all what I was claiming was that the everything is in light the chakras was an example but it was based on somebody else's data the visible light that was my observation because I was walking and I was looking and I could see directly in front of me the blue going to white and then the green and then it obviously clicked for me that red under the underground dark orange red dark lava and then that clicked for me that everything is expressing on that on those frequencies and it goes vertical and it goes horizontal as well because the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west and you see the change in the colour of the sky as the sun moves when it's at those extremes what follows the sun the colour red the pinks the oranges the yellows <laughs> so when you watch the sunrise and the sunset you see in the spec the visible light spectrum you see an expression of that because when it is setting and when it is rising it's low frequency it's red So, so that, that's, my, that's my example of observation. That's something I watched. That's something I saw as I was walking. Something that I used to draw out other things, to rediscover other things, to discover correlations and connections between other things, such as the chakras, the planets. that everything is frequency everything is light everything that we see here is light but at a basic fundamental level you take away that prism almost sounds like prison if you're not careful prism prison perhaps that's a play on words right the prism is the prison because the prism which I, I 
I take it it has been the the filtering of the white light, the information. The white light comes into the eye. That's that's like the raw data, right? The white light comes in and then it hits the back of the eye, hits the retina. It's inverted and then it's processed. That inversion is like the prism. And I realized that when I'd been looking at the spectrum, the visible light spectrum, I actually inverted it. But it's correct. Because we invert it in the eye. Because you can see it. Supposedly, right up at the sun, is supposed to be the high frequency, the gamma, the X-rays, right? That's supposed to be ejected from the sun. The sun's constantly active. There's a constant source of energy that's providing what we see. And we see it constantly, right? Like when the sun goes down, you can still see. The things are a little bit darker. Things, the colors are not as bright as they are during the day. But I need to get back on that point. So the prism inverts it, right? So I didn't realize, but that's what I did. Because as I was looking straight ahead, the blue was above me. The blue is the high frequency. And the red, the low frequency is below ground. And if you go underground, it is low frequency, right? Try picking up a radio station. Even our houses can be low frequency, depending on the devices you've got inside, depending on the thickness of the walls, depending on the material of the walls. But you can see as the sun is moving across the sky, when it reaches the extremities, the horizon, in the west and the east, it's red. It's low frequency. And then the sky turns dark, which again, the red turns to the dark, which is low frequency. And then when it's low frequency, then you can see the stars. You can only really see the stars during the, so the twilight, sun, sunrise, sunset in between. 
between the sun actually going down and actually coming up you can see some of the stars then because the high frequency they have to be in order to appear above the brightness of the sun So, that is what I consider observation. Now I know, I know what a response would be from a popular scientist, that it's pseudo, but what is observation to them if they don't conduct any observation? Pseudo-scientific means it's something like knowledge, but it's not quite knowledge. It's not real knowledge. How do you acquire knowledge? Through observation. So if you observe something, it doesn't really matter what you say, it's still an observation. So it's still a part of knowledge. That's how it's acquired. And knowledge is known, it's not something that's taught. Taught is limitation, it's strict. It's somebody else's processes and procedures. It's not, it's not based on observation, it's based on this is what I saw, this is what everyone else needs to do. That's to just get to the same perspective as everyone else. It's not to... It's not to create your own observation or to have your own observation or to get your own perspective. It's just to have a shared perspective. That's all education is. To get everyone on the same page. True observation is where you find knowledge. where you find new knowledge or rediscover knowledge. Doing the same thing that people have done for decades, for centuries, is great. It just keeps you in the same frequency and it keeps you from being able to accept anything different. Even even trying to observe it would be something that would be rejected because it would be given credibility that it could or could not be true and they cannot have anything that goes against the taught opinion the taught perspective limited opinion, limited perspective now, any scientist should know that everything is balanced. You have light and dark. You have red and blue. You have matter and antimatter. Low frequency, high frequency. Everything around you is showing you there is balance. So why do you have scientists, popular scientists, running around saying there's a crisis? That 
the world is going to burn. The world is going to enter a low frequency that it's going to is going to erupt into something of a dystopia. Is that what people actually believe? That would be unbalanced. That would be unstable. Everything is looking to adapt. Everything is looking to be in balance. Look at nature. Things die in order to save other things. Trees. The networks between trees. They share resources. Plants will die in winter and be reborn in spring and summer. It's balance. Everything else is doing it. Humans need balance. You can't live on a diet of red meat. Red meat is low frequency. It's low frequency, not just because red is the color of low frequency, and that red represents Mars and fire, but it causes a fire in your belly if you eat too much meat because your body has to continually churn up that meat in order to get the in order to break down the protein to get the amino acids that takes a long time so if you're continuously just eating if all you eat is red meat all you're doing is decaying faster because you're in a lower state of frequency your body is constantly digesting you con- you're constantly in deficit because in order to keep your body digesting the food you have to provide it with carbohydrates and you have to digest the carbohydrates and the carbohydrates then get used to digest the meat it's a constant deficit because then once you've got the protein that has to be broken down into the amino acids and then the body has to then create new protein from those amino acids your body doesn't use animal protein it digests it it destroys it in order to get the building blocks which are the amino acids so in all their infinite wisdom why would scientists or anyone for that matter doctors whatever why would they recommend you eat meat red meat in particular carnivore diet why would they recommend that when it's it's going to be extremely expensive and taxing on your body and you're going to you're going to decay so quick And that's not an opinion, that is, that is an experience. I experienced diets of red meat and diets of white meat. So it's not an opinion. And when 
when I was eating a lot of red meat, I looked older. Because my body was decaying quicker. And it's a similar effect, even, even any type of meat, even white meat. Your body still has to digest it. It takes longer to digest meat than it does to digest vegetables or fruits. That is just a fact. And if you don't believe me, go and eat, go and eat a couple of breasts of chicken and then see how long until that bloated feeling goes. Because the body cannot absorb, it cannot just use animal protein, it has to break it down. It has to be broken down into the amino acids, the building blocks, for it to be useful, for it to be used by the body. So, why do scientists not recommend people just take the building blocks? Why take the, the long route? Why eat the meat? You know, and they're saying all about climate change and it's because of too many animals. Breeding animals for meat. Well, science could, popular science could remedy that, couldn't they? Recommending people just consume amino acids because the people that are eating the meat in quantity are the people that just need the amino acids and I don't believe that they have not discovered or rediscovered a method of recreating those amino acids because they have mRNA for which they can code any protein they want. So they're saying they can't do the same for an amino. Anyway. Kind of went off on a tangent. I'm really not... I'm not really judging anyone in particular. It's just the... It's more the uh, profession in general. Because people don't understand that they are just being taught. They're being taught to memorize things. They don't realize that taught is limitation. To be taught something is to be limited. You're being limited by perceptions, processes and methods that somebody else has created. In order to rediscover things, you have to have your own perspective. But if you're never, if all you're taught is other people's perspectives, you're limited by the perspectives. So in order to share, <laughs> all these bushes are overgrown again. So I think I just got splattered with uh, blackberries or something. Yeah, so it comes down to if you're 
If you're being taught somebody else's perspectives and methods and processes, you're being limited to the perspectives. Which is just like visible light or frequency of light. You're limited to a specific frequency, which is called visible light. A specific range of frequency. You can't perceive anything outside those bands with your eyes. So that's kind of limiting your physical perspective as well. There's different variations like where you're positioned, but ultimately the light, the form of the matter, matter is light, light is matter, is is more constant. It's just the observer that moves or can move that alters the perspective. And antimatter is the same as the light. It's just the dark. And that again, that's just observed from a different perspective. You move around an object and you get a different perspective of the shadow. The shadow being the antimatter. Because it's not a physical thing, but it's a representation, it's an expression of the light in the matter. It is the matter in no light. So if you imagine the shadow is perhaps like what you would see if your if your prism was switched off, if you were no longer filtering the white light and scattering it into the visible light spectrum or uh, perceiving those frequencies. So all you perceived was black and white. That'd kind of like be what you'd, that'd be kind of like what you'd see, shadows and white light. That's, now you can say that's my opinion. But we have uh, an object in the sky, right? We have an object in the sky at night that represents the black and the white. The moon. The moon has phases where it goes through different magnitudes and different phases of white. And by magnitude, I mean it moves closer and further away, or it appears to anyway. And then you have the dark phases, the black, the black phases of the moon. Now you could do Couldn't, you could infer something like
No, I'm not going to get into that. I was going to talk about the black sun, which would kind of be like the opposite of the moon. Because you only ever see the white light with your eyes, that is, anyway. The ultraviolet. Let's just call that the black light. So... I'm not really sure what I'm going to call this. By the time you got to this point and listen to it, you'll know before I do what it's called. I guess it's got to be something about popular opinion versus observation. Yeah, that, that's probably an accurate, an accurate title. Popular opinion versus observation, because that's what it all boils down to. And I didn't really set out to speak about this. It wasn't really my intention, or it wasn't really, or rather, I didn't really think about it. It just kind of all came up. And what what I actually had sort of planned to talk about, I guess I'll have to leave for another another time. But it was and uh, it was another example of the visible light spectrum, the planets, frequency, just playing a different cycle, different pattern. So anyway, so that is popular opinion versus observation. So have a good day and I'll speak to you later.